sports, politics, life. MyPillow presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Use promo code KKHI at MyPillow.com. The ratings are in for the most watched thing in the history of television in the United States. 123.4 million people watched the Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday in Super Bowl 58, and I will propose to you that that number is probably a little bit low. Uh, it's about a third of the country. Well, it's, it's more than a third. It's about 40%, I guess, of the country would have seen this game. And it seems to me that it's probably a higher number than that. But they always struggle with these ratings. They never know how to gather people in transition, whether you're flying or traveling or people in restaurants, bars, things like that. My house, for example, we had people from seven different houses at our house. So I assume the other six houses didn't have the game on. They were all at my house, so how do they know how many people were here? I don't know. I mean, what you know, where are the ratings boxes? Are they at somebody's house that they went to somebody else's house for a party? I think it's a very difficult thing to figure out, but 123.4 million makes it the most watched thing in American television history. You may recall way back in the day, you would see things about the Who Shot JR episode of Dallas or something like that. That was a higher percentage of Americans that would watch something like that. The final show of the the of the comedy, MASH, I believe at the time was the highest rated thing ever on television. It would get bigger numbers than the Super Bowl. Those days are long, long gone of, of shows drawing better than a sporting event. But back in those days, it was the percentage of Americans. Obviously, our population has grown dramatically. How do they count for the illegals in this country? And if there's 30 million illegals here or 40 million, which we don't really know, how do they account for those watching this thing? Because you know they're watching it. I watched a San Francisco 49ers fan pick up his television. They were watching outside on his patio with a big group of people, about 15. There's all kinds of unbelievable videos out there of idiot 49er fans breaking their televisions, getting into fights, melting down, busting stuff up. And this was an Hispanic watch party, and there was not one English word in the entire video. They were all speaking Spanish. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know that they're all illegal, but it stands to reason that some of them might have been. There was probably 20 people out on this patio watching the Super Bowl in the Spanish language broadcast, and a dude smashes up his TV after the Niners lose. I don't know how you account for those people. I don't know how they know any of this. I think the number's low. I always think the numbers are low. If you're stuck on some sort of a business thing or you have a family emergency and you're flying, there's people in airports, train stations, bus stations everywhere, but the Chiefs set a new record, 123.4 million viewers. I think that number will go up. It usually takes them about, it takes them several days to get the final tally. The 123.4 was the overnight rating, and it almost always goes up. So I think 130 million is certainly in play here, but it certainly was exciting. A lot of stuff happened on Monday after the Super Bowl, kind of a catch-up day, if you will. Not catch-up with a K, as in the play Corn Dog, which was, again, the game-winning play for the Chiefs. Not catch-up with a K, catch-up, as in catching up on all the other stories of things around this Super Bowl. On the field of note, the highest-rated Chiefs player, as of course, the game went according to script. You know, it's all fake. It's all scripted. The Chiefs planned this. I mean, they knew exactly what they were doing when they decided that Leo Chanel, a second-year linebacker, would be the best player on the team Sunday. And Leo Chanel did indeed, according to Pro Football Focus, grade out as having the best game of any Chief. The only thing that kept Patrick Mahomes from being that guy was the one interception, and that hurts you as a quarterback. 
But Leo Chanel rated out as the best player on the team Sunday with six tackles, the forced fumble, the blocked kick. He's a second-year player who's largely been a role player and a backup and has an unbelievable future. There was also the video that Jessica showed me this morning of Mike Dana getting home in his neighborhood, somewhere in the suburbs, on Monday night after the team came back to Kansas City, and it was dark, so it was after dark when he got home, and he pulls his truck in, and the entire neighborhood is in his driveway, shooting off confetti cannons, screaming and cheering. Every kid in the neighborhood went rushing to the truck when he turned his truck off and opened his door in his driveway. It was one of the coolest things you've ever seen, because to me, that's the kind of stuff that personalizes players. It's not the fake stuff. It's not the news conferences. It's not them at nightclubs. It's not those things. It's a guy like Mike Dana, who's a good player, certainly not a star on this team, works his tail off, wins a couple Super Bowl rings, comes home, pulls in the driveway, and his entire neighborhood is there waiting for him in the driveway. It was just a a phenomenal thing to see. I just love what this does for our community. We spend a lot of time in Kansas City talking about how much we love Kansas City and saying things to me that are just kind of immature and silly and I I don't know. I, I think we talk too much about Kansas City. You know, oh, this is cool. That's cool. I think we try too hard. I think we've always tried too hard. We have a little chip on our shoulder. We try too hard. But when this happens, it just organically happens between neighbors and groups. My neighbors to the northeast of me, I could hear them out on Sunday night when we were shooting off fireworks. They went out on their back deck and they were hauling, yay, Keatsman's, yay, Keatsman's. They're from Minnesota. Now, they've been here a while, but they're from Minneapolis and they're Vikings fans. I think their kids are probably growing up Chiefs fans because how can you not? But it's not really their Super Bowl to win. So we had about 15 people out in the backyard and we're shooting off fireworks. We can hear our neighbors out on their back. We can't see them because there's woods between us, but we could hear them hollering over, yay, Keatsman's, yay, Keatsman's. And I thought that's really cool. It's amazing what happens in your town when something like this wins because we don't, we don't you know them well. We don't talk to them much. It was not, we're not close enough that we're inviting them to the Super Bowl party or anything like that. Um, I just think it's, I think it's cool when this organically happens. I think it's really neat when Kansas City comes together, together over anything, really. It was the same way with the Royals, maybe in a bigger way with the Royals because it was every day. You know, the Royals were playing in the postseason every day. And this one you really felt this week, like leading up to the Super Bowl, then Super Bowl Sunday and the day after. It's been a really, really good time to be in Kansas City. And of course, we have early spring weather, just fantastic for the parade on Wednesday, which will be at 11 o'clock starting downtown on Grand. It's going to go south and finish at Union Station with a ceremony at about 1245. A program will take place about 1245, probably will be one o'clock. I think they say 1245 to hope to get the thing started by one. It's going to be fun. I'm planning on going. We will see. I got to get the podcast done before I go, but we'll, uh, We'll let you know how that goes. It's not. It's never been my thing, but doggone if it's going to be 64 degrees, how bad can it be? Now, we, we have two choices. We can either get to Union Station and try to see it and hear it there, or last year, apparently, Jessica was along the parade route with her girlfriends. Then they walked north to Power and Light and watched it there on the big screen and the loud sound because they want to be able to see, obviously, the program and Travis Kelsey doing what Travis Kelsey is going to do. I think that's the fun of these things is when they all are drunk at one o'clock on a Wednesday and they're grabbing microphones and it turns into a crap show and everybody loves it. And I'm not going to criticize them for it. Patrick Mahomes has taken a lot of criticism for being drunk at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday, but I'm just not going there. 
These guys can do what they want as long as they're not offending somebody, as long as nobody pees in the street or, you know, gets into some shouting match or a fight or whatever, let them celebrate, man. They're young men who worked hard. Yes, they make a lot of money. Yes, they're very talented, but it's pretty darn cool. The quote of the year came out of the Super Bowl, and this one surfaced on Monday. I never saw this on Sunday, so I don't know whether, you know, there were news conferences yesterday. Patrick Mahomes was at Disney World. Andy Reid did another news conference. There were things they did before they left. There's all kinds of obligations. So I honestly don't know whether he said this Monday or if this was Sunday night after the game, but this is the quote of the year. This this is just, this is, I mean, it's hysterical. This is comical. And I think he meant it that way, and it maybe didn't come across that way, but I think he meant it that way. Andy Reid asked about whether the team panicked or had any doubt down 10 points. <laughs> and he basically said, I, I got a great group of guys here, man. I love coaching these guys as much as anything else. And he said, quote, the guys never doubted it, and it helps that Patrick is on our team. <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest Chiefs quote of all time. It helps that Patrick is on our team. That's Andy Reid. That, in a nutshell, is why Andy Reid was Kyle Shanahan. The similarities between Andy Reid in Philadelphia and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco are eerie. Lost Super Bowls, multiple title games, multiple you know quarterbacks and quarterback issues. You got a guy, but he's not that good. He had Donovan McNabb, who was okay. You got Brock Purdy. You got Garoppolo. You got guys that are okay, but they're not Mahomes. Andy Reid comes to Kansas City, and he's going through this. Andy Reid in Kansas City with Alex Smith was Andy Reid in Philadelphia. He'd get you right there. He'd win you 12, 13 games. Remember, last year Alex Smith was here. He was the number one rated quarterback in the National Football League, but they couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't get over the hump with Alex Smith in the postseason. Alex Smith was an outstanding football player for a long time, but he's not a Hall of Famer. There are guys that win in the postseason. There are guys that win Super Bowls. And Andy Reid with the quote of the year, it helps that Patrick is on our team. Yep, it indeed does help that Patrick Mahomes is on the team. In the Chiefs' overtime, we heard, we've heard all the Niners players say they did not know the overtime rules, that they didn't know what was going on, that they didn't know it was different than the regular season. And there have been plenty of Chiefs saying that. Mahomes said in the back of his mind he was racing the clock on the last play. But I think that was more instinct of, hey, that clock's moving. Let's get this play snapped before. He may have been thinking before it goes to quarter, which is essentially what it was. If it got to zero, they were going to just go to the other end of the field and start a new quarter. But McCole Hardman said he blacked out after catching it and said, we, I didn't know we won the game. I didn't know the game was over, which I've not heard anybody say. Even the people confused by the clock, including me, like, oh, God, we're looking just, you know, you're wrapped up in the game. And you're looking at the clock. You're thinking, crap, this is it. It's all or nothing. What is he doing? Like, everybody at my party was shouting that. You're all wrapped up in it. McCole Hardman goes out, catches the pass, scores a touchdown. He said he didn't know they won the game. There's a mic'd up where Mahomes went and ran straight to him, and he picked him up. And Mahomes says, we're the champs. We're the champs. And Hardman didn't know. He didn't know the game was over. He's like, oh, we got to line up for the point here. What do we got to do next? No clue. Because they put the rules up during the timeout, okay, when when they broke at the end of regulation and, and before overtime started, they put them up on the scoreboard, and all the Niners players were seeing them for the first time, and apparently McCole Hardman missed the memo. Now, he joined the team in midseason. Maybe this is something they went over in training camp. 
Maybe it is because then they said they did it early on because the Chiefs expect because the message early on, if you go over the new overtime rules in training camp or preseason when the team is formed, if you're doing it then, you're reinforcing to the team that you expect to be in the postseason. So it's a pretty good message. Well, Cole Hardman joined the team. Maybe he was one of the only guys. But we've heard some players say they were at least, at the very least, confused. It was a wild overtime scene. And now we know McCole Hardman caught the game-winning touchdown pass going out to catch the Super Bowl-winning touchdown pass and didn't know it was a Super Bowl-winning touchdown pass. Which, for McCole Hardman, that might be a positive. You might not want McCole Hardman knowing what's on the line. Think about it. Just fantastic. The last four touchdowns scored by the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in order, began with Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and McCole Hardman. <laughs> yeah, it's fixed. The NFL's fixed. It's rigged. Some idiot puts on Twitter yesterday, a Niners fan, or, uh, you know, he, you know what? I, I feel bad, too, because a lot of these people are right-wingers. The ones that are hating on the NFL and they're freaking out about Taylor Swift and conspiracy and all this. They're right-wing political analysts that think the whole thing's fixed and that the NFL's going left. They didn't like the Negro national anthem. You know, they didn't like all these different things. So they're going after it. These people are absolute fools when it comes to football. And I'm thinking about deleting a lot of them from my feed and saying, I don't want to watch. If these people are talking politics, I can't think or believe anything they say if they actually believe that that game somehow was rigged, that Leo Chanel was the highest-rated player and that Marquez Valdez-Scantling and McCall Hardman were going to catch touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes, not Travis Kelsey. And that Pacheco and McCaffrey would fumble. Oh, yeah, it's all scripted. Okay. There's people that actually believe this, and it's, it's just complete and utter insanity when you hear people say things like this. But I can understand the confusion, that's for sure, with McCall Hardman, because the referee at the coin toss before overtime said, okay, we got a whole new game we're starting here. I could, I've literally met football players that if they heard new game at that moment, if they didn't ask somebody would have been on the sideline thinking, okay, four more quarters. Here we go. We're playing a doubleheader. I know plenty of athletes that I've met over the years that would have interpreted that way. Okay. Buckle up another three hours. Here we go. For sure. I know people like that, uh, but the game being fixed. Yeah. Nah, not so much. Good stuff there. I got a question for you as Steve Spagnolo won his fourth ring. As a coordinator, I texted this to my buddies yesterday. I didn't get a response. So I'm going to bounce it off you folks. Smartest audience in podcasting. Why aren't coordinators in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? We put punters in there. I mean, I, I'm asking, we put owners in there? There's executives in there? There's everything in there except coordinators. Spags has got four. The Chiefs linebacker coach has six rings. Three with the Patriots, three with the Chiefs. A legitimate question. Leo Chanel was the player of the game. Does the linebacker's coach not get some? A second-year player was the highest-rated player for the Chiefs. A linebacker. Does the linebacker coach get a pat on the back here? I mean, really? Nick Bolton, second year in a row, was, was leading tackler in the Super Bowl? Young player, any credit to a linebacker's coach who has six freaking Super Bowl rings? Steve Spagnolo, not a great head coach. 
He may get another shot. He may not. I don't think he's going to be a great head coach. I think some people know exactly what they are. And I think Steve Spagnuolo knows exactly what he is. And he's making big money. He's going to get a big raise. How do you not give Spags a million-dollar raise after this year? How do you not raise him a million dollars a year? It, it, these are, he's not broke, folks. He was a head coach for a few years. He's probably worth 30, 40 million. And he's making, what, 3 million as a coordinator now, probably? If not more? With a big raise coming? How is Steve Spagnolo? how are coordinators not in the Hall of Fame? We place such an emphasis on how important they are in football. We do. And maybe this is the first time you've heard this. It's the first time I've thought of it. But I think we need to start a movement. Why aren't coordinators in there? And we need to go back through history and look back and consider even posthumously considering coordinators. Now, most of them become head coaches. And some are like really good head coaches, like Marty Schottenheimer, who never won a Super Bowl. But he was a great defensive coach before that. He was not really known as a defensive coordinator. Marty Schottenheimer is remembered as a head coach. If my... My bar on this would be is if you are remembered as a coordinator, I think you should qualify for the Hall of Fame. And I don't know how a, a guy like Steve Spagnolo is not a Hall of Famer. Multiple Super Bowls, different teams, defensive coordinator. He beat Tom Brady's undefeated team. He shut him down. The greatest offense ever just locked him down. And he just ripped through one, two, three, and six in the postseason. And the Chiefs gave up 15 points a game in the postseason remarkable. The teams they played were averaging almost 29 points a game. Chiefs held them in an average of 15. Remarkable. It's the only words you can use. Spagnolo was great. I think you ought to be able to put guys like that in the Hall of Fame. Chiefs are already installed as underdogs next year to the 49ers. Yes, indeed. Odds to win the Super Bowl next year. The 49ers are favored. The Chiefs are number two because, of course, they are. F-A-F-O stands for fool around and find out. Okay, 49ers are favored. Way to go, Vegas. Vegas had a rough day Sunday. They got pounded. I mean, they got killed here in the Kansas City area. That was really bad. Hollywood Sportsbook lined with people on Monday, cashing not just Super Bowl tickets, but season tickets that in many cases paid seven to one or more on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. So they get clobbered locally here in Kansas. I mean, clobbered, decimated. Chiefs went 8-0 and in the postseason against the spread and the money line. Kevin Keatsman went 8-0 and in the postseason on the Chiefs spread and money line. Ooh, it was fun. I got money to go to Joslin's to get Jessica Little Valentine's gift. <laughs> Outstanding stuff. But in Vegas, they got killed too. They set the line in such a fashion, knowing that the professional gamblers were going to bet on the 49ers because all the metrics from the season said that. I've got a very good friend, Cato, who bet on the Niners. The only one I know that bet on the Niners on Sunday. And this was a really, really close game. And I kept saying all week long, the difference is the quarterback. The difference is the quarterback. Mahomes won't lose. He's just, he's, if it's a 50-50 game, Mahomes wins it. And he goes, I've, I've crunched all the numbers. The Niners were the better team all year. I said, yeah, but does it really matter what happened in September and October and most of November? Does it matter? I said, I'm, I'm not a genius. I don't know. What I know is on Christmas Day, both these teams got rocked. Okay? The Niners got drilled at home by the Ravens and the Chiefs 
Mahomes, turned it over twice for 14 points to the Raiders, and we lost to a bad football team. That happened. So I look at what happened since Christmas Day. What I was looking at was a quarterback that hadn't turned it over, a football team that had played beautifully, especially at Baltimore, but at Buffalo too, completely dominated the Dolphins like it was not even a matchup. And then I looked at what the Niners had done, which was struggle in a couple of postseason games, not be very good against the run. Their defense looked hapless, gave up 31 points to the Lions, couldn't stop the run against the Packers. I said, I don't know, man. I'm looking at one team's gotten better than the other, and I'm going with that. I don't, and, and Vegas doesn't do that. The sportsbooks don't do that. They take the season in totality, and they like a bigger sample size, and they average it out, and they say, here we go. So the Niners, two-point favorite. They knew the pro money was going to be on the Niners, and it came in. The people who bet big bet on the Niners. But the public went absolutely bonkers on the Chiefs. I mean, they were daring them to because people wanted to bet on the Niners. America doesn't like the Chiefs. But what, what casual bettors, just regular Joe Public did, was say, you can't give points to Mahomes. I'm taking those points. I'll take Pat Mahomes getting points. This is what I did for years with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Aaron Rodgers. I had a standing rule. I didn't care who or when they were playing or where. If any of those three quarterbacks gets points, you bet on them. It's the same thing with Mahomes, who's now, what, 11-1-1 against the spread when he's an underdog? He's 11-1-1 against the spread when he gets points. You just always bet him. And so the public did that, and Vegas got killed. Where Vegas got really killed, and remember, these big casino companies in Vegas have the apps in all the 30-some states where it's legal to bet. Their biggest loser was it went to overtime. They got annihilated. Nobody walks to the window or places a bet, a prop bet, that it won't go to overtime. Because you have to bet, to win $100, you have to bet $900 and then cross your fingers it doesn't go to overtime. It paid nine to one to go to overtime. So a gazillion people put down, I mean, like millions of people probably put down five or $10 bets on their apps just because the odds were so good, nine to one. You bet $9 or you bet $10. If it goes to overtime, you win 90. For people who are betting $10 or $5 on prop bets, that's a big hit. That covers all your other prop bets if just one of them hits. You're loving a nine to one. You're looking for a nine to one. Plenty of people, I promise you, bet $100 on this. And some players probably looked at it and thought the odds on this are so great, we'll bet a thousand bucks on it. But clearly, millions of people bet it in some fashion. The head of Caesar Sportsbook in Las Vegas says we absolutely got crushed when this game went to overtime at nine to one. It was nothing but payouts. Every single bet that came, like 98% of the bets that came in were yes on overtime, not no. There was no opposite side for them. So whatever they took in, they can afford to do that about every nine years. They got to do nine years of taking that money in to pay it out once. Well, this was only the second overtime game, so they've made all the money before on it. We don't feel bad for casinos. Folks, it was tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars was lost by casinos because the game went to overtime, and I love that. On to the Taylor Swift watch. She was booed on the Jumbotron. I've seen viral videos of this. I don't know if you saw this or not. They showed her in the first half of the game, and she was doing some sort of a shot or a drink or something. They were showing celebrities, and they showed her, and there were boos in Las Vegas for Taylor Swift. Folks, that's mega stardom. When you start to get booed, that's mega stardom. That means you're, some, people, some people just believe you're overexposed. Just overexposed. 
Like the president of the United States, depending on the crowd, usually gets booed. You're overexposed. Doesn't matter who you are. Somebody's going to boo you. There is Taylor Swift fatigue big time in this country. She did this tour. She's got a new album. She stole the show at the Grammy saying a new album's coming out. She put a movie out in the middle of her tour. It's too much. It's too much. And she was booed. Now everybody's saying they believe that the White House is going to work with her schedule, not the Chiefs, on when she can come to the White House with Travis Kelsey. Joe Biden wants that photo op with Taylor Swift is what he wants. In the worst way at the White House, if Travis Kelsey ever made a great decision in his life, unless he's a political animal, unless he wants to be that guy, if he wants in on this, if he wants to alienate half of his fans, if they want to go all in and be political, they can. He's done the Pfizer spot. He's done the Bud Light. He's done, he's done that. If he wants to be that guy, then jump right in. But if he wants to protect his movie career and all these other things down the road, he's got a chance here to make a really adult decision, and that's Taylor. You're not going to the White House. I'm going with my teammates, and that's that. And I think she'd understand, and she'd probably be okay with it. I think she'd say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't need that photo op. I don't need to hand this to Biden. It doesn't do her much good to be seen with Biden. She's going to want the Democrat to win clearly because she's an abortion freak. That's all she's about is just abortions on demand. That's Taylor's big thing. Men are evil and abortions are great. That's her motto. And so, but I don't think she particularly likes Biden. I don't think anybody does. We'll have a whole bunch more on that coming up later on this podcast. But that White House watch is on. It's all brought to you today by Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. The jewelry you'll recommend to your friends and family, folks. You got today and tomorrow to get that Valentine's Day gift to Joslyn's. Do it. There's all kinds of great gifts in there for under 100 bucks. Change. I think they got some like little Arrowhead or Chiefs logo chains and things like that, too. They've got some fun stuff in there that they make. Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. North Kansas City Dental. See, football season's over. Now you got to think about real life. Like, yeah, it's time to go to the dentist. It's time to go to the dentist. I'd be honored if you thought enough of my recommendation of Dr. Bill Bush and his team at North Kansas City Dental to switch dentists. Now, listen, if you've got a dentist you love and you've had for years, I certainly don't, I would never ask you to or expect that. But most people I know are really not loyal to a dentist. But you could be if you went to NKC Dental and you'd know that everyone there working on you thinks like you do. When everybody was masking at doctor's office, they weren't making you wear masks in the lobby at North Kansas City Dental. This is a big deal to me. It's a big deal. Like they live in the real world. They live in Realville. North Kansas City Dental, your kind of dentist, Dr. Bill Bush, nkcdental.com. And Amini's Galleria, it is outdoor patio season right around the corner. We're just, what, three weeks away from daylight savings? Woo, yeah, let's do it. Amini's is there for you. Here's the rub. They got all kinds of great outdoor furniture in stock. But if you fall in love with something there like we did and you order it, it could take six weeks. And if it takes six weeks to order it, have to pick out the custom fabrics, you can go right. They've got these books of fabrics that Jessica went through. We must have looked at 100 different fabric covers for our outdoor bar stools. It's a cool process. Your wife's going to love it, guys. Ladies, if you're listening, you're going to love it. You want new outdoor patio furniture, you can get it just like you like it at Amini's 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park. Okay, a couple more Super Bowl things here. And then on to the Royals, who are making an announcement on this Tuesday. And then KU getting rocked. We got a lot of sports here today. Woo, we got a lot of sports. 
the Negro National Anthem was played, and I was I had my Twitter open, and I was going to tweet, and I thought, you know what? Don't make any news today, Kevin. Don't do it. It's it's the, the Black National Anthem. This this congressman, Steve Cohen, refers to it as the Negro National Anthem. So I'll I'll borrow that term. Can I say that, or am I not allowed to say it? I've never done twenty three and Me or Ancestry. I could have some African in me. It's quite possible to have some African heritage. We don't know. It's absolutely possible. So can I, I don't know if I could say Negro National Anthem. That's what he calls it. What is it? Rise and lift the spirit. I don't know. I don't know. Rise up. So this lady sings it, and Steve Cohen, a congressman, is livid that the people in the stadium were not standing for it. Uh, Congressman Cohen, nobody in the stadium knows the song. It means something to you that it doesn't mean to other people. Therefore, it is not a national anthem. It is an ethnic anthem. That's all it is. Now, you may argue you want to adopt it and everybody should stand for it. And maybe we'll get there because the media can take that over and probably get that done. But at this point, nobody knows it. Nobody knows the words. Nobody's standing for it. It's the equivalent of being Jewish and going to a Catholic wedding. They don't expect you to know the prayers. They don't expect you to know when to kneel, when to stand, when to cross, when to dip your hand in the holy water. They don't expect you to know that. I go to a synagogue or go to a Jewish wedding. I, don't, I, I can't tell you what Mazel Tov means, really. Heard it a million times. I don't know. I respect them and allow them, but I'm not a, I'm not a theologian. I'm not going to learn their religion. I'm not going to learn your passion, which is your skin color. I don't care. I just don't think people understand, especially conservatives. There's no hate here. We just don't give a flip. We don't care that you're black. <laughs> it's not a thing to us. We don't care. Conservatives do not care. We do not care. We don't care your religion. What we care is, do you hurt other people? If you're a criminal, we don't like you. If you're a freak and fondling little kids, we don't like you. If you are making homemade bombs and want to blow up a building, we don't like you. After the fact, we could put you in a category if that's what you want to do. But that's your game, not conservatives. Conservatives don't play that game. Liberals play that game. They identify everything. And this is ridiculous. I don't know what to say really about the NFL having this sung. It was 20 minutes before kickoff. Whatever. They pander to everybody, folks. Come on. And, and it's not, some of it seems like fun pandering and some of it seems like, what the hell are they doing? So I want to be fair here. I, I do think we need to be honest about all that. Because... For example, they do slime time on Nickelodeon. I watched the replay of some of this yesterday. The, they have a kids broadcast the Super Bowl that they have SpongeBob on there with Patrick, and they bring on cartoon guests. They had a cartoon. Everything see SpongeBob is a cartoon where he lives in the ocean under the sea. They live in a place in the ocean called Bikini Bottom, which is pretty funny. SpongeBob's cool. My kids grew up on SpongeBob. They're still doing it. It's a big thing. So SpongeBob's one of the announcers with like. Um, uh, you know, they got like a regular CBS announcer on there. I think it was Noah Eagle. It was the NBC. But he's on Nickelodeon. They're calling the game. They're doing all this stuff. And so everything's got a, a, an undersea thing. 
So they show a cartoon character, Travis. Uh, what was Travis's last name? Oh, Travis Kelpie, because the C has kelp. So it's Travis Kelpie and Taylor Fish. And so they do this for the kids. Is that pandering to the kids? Is the rise up and sing, be heard song pandering to blacks? I don't know what it is. I just know the NFL is doing everything they can to include everyone and make everyone do something for everyone that makes them say, hey, the NFL sees me. And if that's just where we are, that you got to do that song to have black people say the NFL sees me, I really don't have a problem with the NFL doing that. I don't. I may have a little bit of a problem with making a big deal of it and having it on the telecast, but whatever. I, life's too short for me to get too worried about that. But coming out after the fact, pissed off that people weren't standing, it's not our national anthem. And I'm going to guess, Congressman Cohen, you were plenty fine with Colin Kaepernick and Travis Kelsey taking a knee during the that real national anthem. I'm going to guess you were okay with that. Idiot. The Royals have a 2.30 news conference on Tuesday announcing they're going to build a ballpark at the Crossroads, which is a cool area in Kansas City. It's right by the where, where the Star Press Pavilion is, that big green building. The only question is, can they turn this thing a little bit toward the northwest? Just a little bit. So if you're sitting in the seats, you can see the best part of the skyline. Because if it faces exactly the way Kauffman Stadium is facing, all you're going to see is those two or three really old buildings out there to the east of Sprint Center or T-Mobile Center. It's not going to have much of a view. They're going to have to turn this stadium a little bit and face it like more north and or northwest than northeast. Right now, the ballpark faces northeast, which is typical of most ballparks. This one, they're, I think they're going to have to turn a little bit to get a good downtown view. I don't know if they can or not. We'll ask them. It all has to do with the sun and how hot you are in the seats and how many people will be in the shade and things like that. You know, how many people would be staring straight into the sun for a seven o'clock first pitch when it doesn't get dark till nine o'clock? Those sorts of things. The sun is a big deal in designing a ballpark. But if they're going to build it at the crossroads, which I'll endorse, I'm on board with this. I love it. That's a great area. Be walking distance power and light. They'll be able to expand that area around there in their own ballpark village. I think it will spur condominiums and a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people will live right there. I think it's going to be really cool for downtown. I'm on board with this. I need to see a rendering of the view. I need to see which way this park is going because ultimately the most important thing for me is if I buy a ticket in the middle or upper deck right behind home plate, I want to be able to see something. There needs to be a view. You don't go downtown unless you're building a view. Now, if you're unveiling that we're building two giant condo buildings, 40 stories tall, right out there in the outfield, that's kind of cool too. I'm good with that. That's what they did in San Diego at Petco Park. You could see the skyline a little bit from way up top, but in your seats, you really couldn't. What happened with Petco in San Diego was the developers came in and just started building condominiums. And everybody's like, I want to build a condo and buy one. San Diego's got the beauty of being a second home. I'll, I'll get it, you know, you may be living in Salt Lake City and you're rich and hey, my winter home's going to be in San Diego. I want to look into Petco. That's kind of cool. Great view looking into a ballpark. Be fantastic to look out there every day. So we'll see what the Royals unveil on that. Ooh, okay. We're going to talk Kansas Jayhawks here in a moment. Brought to you by greatlifekc.com. Play more golf. Guys, play more golf this year. The best way to do it is with Great Life Golf. They have lots of courses around Kansas City that you can pay daily fee. You can just pay one fee and go play for a day, like a dozen of them. 
They also have some you can join that are not like what you would consider typical country clubs with big initiation fees and all that. They're more like monthly dues kind of things to play all the golf you want. We're talking about Staley Farms, Prairie Highlands, Falcon Ridge, Canyon Farms, Tallgrass Club in Wichita, Destination Clubs like Osage National at the Lake of the Ozarks. They're all included. If you join one, you can play all the others for a really low fee. I think some of the exchange fees are like 20 bucks. Like if you belong one here and you go play at the lake, it's just not very expensive to play there. GreatLifeKC.com or just call this number, 913-802-4552 or shoot an email. Just the email address is join at greatlifegolf.com. Join at greatlifegolf.com and say, here's where I live, what's close to me? And they will hook you up at Great Life Golf. Play more golf. Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC is the official automotive partner of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Tim Trader's my guy on the showroom floor. If you're thinking about a new truck or SUV this spring, there is no better place than Roberts Robinson. Online at robertsrobinson.com. They're the home of the lifetime warranty. Shop online. Have them search the country for you to find the one you want. Or do what I did. Build your own. I got on with Mike, and we were on. I put the speakerphone on. I was on my computer. He was on his. We spent about 12, 15 minutes going through all. He sent me a link, said, pick your options. Go through this. What do you like? Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Pick the options you like. Customize. He goes, great, we're done. I said, that's it? Took under 15 minutes. They sent it off to the factory, and my Chevy Blazer was built. A few weeks later, it arrives. I was the happiest guy in the world. It's a great way to get your next new Chevy or GMC at robertsrobinson.com. And bstock.net has post-Super Bowl deals. A scratch and dent. Here we go. We got a sharp Shark Ninja ice cream maker, 169 limited quantity available. These were a huge hit. Many of you went in and got these ice cream makers, but they're almost out, just 169. We also have some other Shark and Ninja appliances in stock. Go to the showroom floor to see it. 14680 South Flaming Road. Scratch and Dent special is 20 to 25% off. So there are some TVs that get damaged in shipment. They check out the screen, they plug them in, they come with full warranty, the picture is perfect. My television in my basement, I saved thousands on my, my 8K, this 85-inch monster I got down here, because there's a big scratch on the back of it. But it's up on the wall. Nobody's ever seen the scratch. It's a great way to get a new television. It's fantastic. And they've got a scratch and dent sale going on right now. Bstock.net, 14680 South Flaming Road. I don't know how to describe the Kansas Jayhawks. I can't believe what I'm seeing. I mean, I really cannot believe what I'm seeing. KU just gets bombed on Monday night in Lubbock. Now, I thought they were going to lose. I'm on a roll. I was on Texas Tech minus three and a half, and I had Johnny Furphy over 11 and a half points, and he got 13. So I was thrilled with that. My Chiefs roll just continues. But, I mean, come on. You got beat by 30. You got a player out. You got Kevin McCuller out. This doesn't happen to KU very often that they lose a key player. It doesn't. It just doesn't. They've been very fortunate through the years that they, they'll lose players, but it's, it never seems like it's that guy. Well, they haven't been very good without McCuller, and they were just dreadful on this night. Hunter Dickinson looked like a quitter out there. Like, he brought nothing. No energy, no effort, no enthusiasm. This guy's too good a player. He was 2 for 12 for the game. Bill Self got kicked out of the game, first time ever at Kansas. He got booted for saying the magic word twice. He, he wanted to get kicked out. He didn't want to watch the last seven minutes of the game. He'd seen enough. Have you noticed Bill Self doesn't scream at his players? I can't be the only one that noticed. Now, there's two things in play here. Dude's got a heart valve in, 
right? He's got a valve in his heart. Life's changed for Bill Self. It's the reason he looks so good. He looks great. He's obviously made lifestyle changes. Bill Self's doing everything right. Is it affecting his coaching? I don't see him screaming. It was the weakest technical I've ever seen. So he just said the F word a couple times where the ref could hear it to get kicked out. That was it. There was no upset. The game was over and decided. He was beat. I, what was the point of that? So he just did it and got kicked out. At no point did I see him screaming Hunter Dickinson. At no point did I see him get in his face or pull him out of the game and bench him. Ask yourself this question. Can Bill Self scream at Hunter Dickinson on national TV? Can he pull him out of the game and bench him and let him sit for eight minutes and give him that glare and stare at him? The answer is no. Not in today's college basketball. Hunter Dickinson has a year left. And if Bill Self treats him like that, he may just transfer somewhere else for a year and take $2 million somewhere else. Remember, he's a free agent again. I think Kansas is going to pay him a couple million dollars to stay one more year and stay out of the NBA because they really don't like him as a draft choice because he can't jump. But he's a heck of a college player. He's an insanely great college player, except on this night, he was none of that. He was awful. And so was K.J. Adams. And so really were all of them. They were lifeless. They had no enthusiasm. This was the classic game where Bill Self screams at them at halftime or pulls a couple of them out of the game and sits them down and glares at them. And there was none of that. There was, there was one little moment we saw him with Furphy, kind of gave him a, Furphy a little look, took him out for two minutes. But that was to get to the, like the under eight timeout and put him back in. No, he, he, I, I think we're in an era of college basketball where you can't coach like that anymore. Like, I think consciously Bill Self knows I can't coach my players the way I used to coach because they will transfer. You have to pick and choose. Not every player is coached the same. I can see it. It's in real time, right before our eyes. It's crazy. And Kevin McCullough is an important player for this team, but he's not 30 points difference playing Texas Tech in Lubbock on a Monday night. KU's one and five on the road. I mean, they're not just... They're just not, not a good road team. They're bad on the road. Like they're like every other middle of the road Big 12 team that ever existed. They lose every road game. Kansas is sixth in the country. If they lose to Oklahoma Saturday, they won't be sixth in the conference. KU's at Oklahoma Saturday. I have no reason to believe they're going to win that game. None. We don't know if McCullough's playing or not. Bill Self said after the game, I hope so. I mean, we're talking about a team ranked sixth in the country with overrated chance all night long in Lubbock. If they lose Saturday, they won't be sixth in the Big 12. I can't believe what I'm seeing with the Kansas Jayhawks. Wild. All right, I got a lot of cool news topics here, but I'm going to have to go through them fast because we're running really long here today. Uh, it's all brought to you by Cross Kitchens KC, Kansas City's remodeler. Tim Cross would love to meet with your family in home. Give him a call at 816-898-7047, crosskitchenskc.com. All right, Joe Biden's getting a physical. <laughs> I think he does this, and then they fake it, and they tell us how healthy he is. So KJP was out there on Monday talking about this. A poll came out over the weekend. 86% of Americans say Joe Biden is too old to run for re-election and be president. Susan Rice, one of his cabinet members, in a meeting last year, there's an Axios story out that there's total dysfunction at the White House over the border policy. Mayorkas, who's about to be impeached, and he will be impeached this week, Mayorkas will be impeached. 
he disputes and disagrees with Biden on the border policy. Like he's kind of on our side. There's a couple of policies like, Joe, you can't do that. And he's like, I'm doing it. So he disagrees with him. They had a meeting on this and Susan Rice is in there. She's that evil looking woman. She's got evil in her eyes. She just looks evil, evil looking woman on the cabinet who passed a note. They were talking about Javier Becerra, the, uh, the HHS secretary who's involved in this. And Susan Rice hates Javier Becerra. This is a black woman, hates the Hispanic dude on the cabinet of the president talking about the border. I mean, you can't make this up. This is going to be a great, great book or movie someday. Susan Rice hates this guy so bad. She passes a note like a third grader to Mayorkas at the cabinet meeting. She passes a note to him in the meeting under the table, I guess. He opens it up and it says, don't save him, meaning don't save Becerra in this meeting. But it might have been interpreted at the time of don't save the president, which is treason if that's what she meant. The note only said don't save him. And I'm not sure that isn't a crime. If you're plotting in a cabinet meeting about border policy to Mayorkas, Susan Rice, with a note that says, don't save that guy, the HHS secretary, if indeed that's who it was, and it wasn't a note about save Biden, folks, we got criminal activity taking place in cabinet meetings. God, this is, this is, this Axios story, that operation is exactly what we think it is. It's completely dysfunctional and a bunch of idiots. It is a, we're going to cherry pick a woman, a black skin, a brown skin, a religion, a trans. We're going to cherry pick every single little thing here and put the cabinet together in some sort of a rainbow coalition. And it's just, that's not the best people. You didn't pick the best person for every job. And they're so used to running around pointing fingers at people saying, look at me, I'm a trans. Look at me, I'm brown. Look at me, I'm gay. They're so used to living their life that way, they can't function as a team. They got no chance to function as a team. They've all been outsiders their whole life, screaming, look at me, I'm different. I'm oppressed. Ugh, disgusting. Uh, Biden's done. So what's the deal with the physical? You tell me. It's one of two things. It's either a complete sham. They're going to say, oh, he's healthy as... Trump used to do this. It's the healthiest physical of any 76-year-old in history, my doctor said. <laughs> of course. Or it's going to come back damning and he's done. I honestly don't know which. I th- I'm leaning toward it's a sham and it'll be a peachy, rosy physical, but I'm not sure of it. This is the president who put like a government ban on TikTok, right? You can't use your government phones and be on TikTok. And on Sunday, he did a TikTok video for the Super Bowl. Ah, you just can't make this up. Thursday in Atlanta, there's a hearing for Fonnie Willis and her man toy, uh, Nathan Wade. This is fun. Fonnie Willis is toast. I said that the second this thing came out. This is, this is like the most underplayed story there is, the one in Georgia, because this is the end of the Trump case in Georgia. And it probably should be the dismissal of all the things that have been decided or pled to this point with the others that have been there in Georgia. Trump says he's going to the hearing on Thursday. They're having a hearing with Fonnie Willis and Nathan Way to kick them off the case because of wrongdoings, taking taxpayer money and funneling to your lover. Yeah, Fannie Willis. (laughs) Again, put stupid people in charge, stupid things happen. That's what they did here. Come up with fake charges and put idiots in charge of it 
and it's going to unravel. Trump says he's going to go to the hearing because he's pretty sure he knows what's going to happen. And he wants to be in the courtroom. It's probably going to be televised. Why wouldn't you show up for a win? This is fantastic. I want to see that. Please tell me it's on television. I want to see that one in a big way. Trump has endorsed Michael Watley as Republican National Committee chair. Michael Watley is the chair of the GOP in North Carolina. He's a lawyer by trade. He's the legal counsel for the Republican National Committee. And Trump endorses Michael Watley because Watley is an election fraud lawyer and specialist. He's also nominating Lara Trump, his daughter-in-law, as co-chair of the Republican National Committee. In, it's Trump's party. The voters have spoken. It's Trump's party. He should be in charge of the RNC. And if he doesn't win and he wants to blame, he doesn't have Ronald McDaniel to blame, he can blame his pick, Michael Watley. Let him be in charge. And Trump's not perfect at this. He hired all kinds of bad people. He's not perfect, but I think he's learned. I think he's learned. Don't go with anybody middle of the road. Everybody hard right. Everybody conservative or you're not going to be part of the Trump team. I think he's learned that. This story is just so disgusting. I almost wasn't going to put it on the podcast, but I'm going to. If you haven't heard this, you're going to hate this. And I totally understand if this makes you uneasy and squeamish. And, and I even understand if you're critical of me and say you shouldn't put that on the podcast because your podcast is, generally speaking, more fun than this. I don't know what it is. I, well, I do know exactly why I'm telling you this story. I'm telling you this story because of what this woman was charged with. She was charged with child endangerment, and I am livid that this 25-year-old mom in Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, was announced on Saturday, but has been charged with child endangerment. She had a one-month-old baby. And mistakenly, they're saying, I don't understand this, mistakenly put the baby in the oven instead of the bassinet or whatever. The baby was found by firefighters after a 911 call on the living room floor in the little baby holder. What do they call those things? The little baby bucket with burns and it stopped breathing. I don't, she must have been baking at the time and must have been baked herself. Let's be honest. I don't think the oven was on. It sounds like what happened was maybe. She got confused after baking something, whatever, winds up the baby's in the oven after it's off, but it's pretty hot in there. The baby did get some burns, but you can't breathe in the oven. You suffocate in the oven. This is just horrendous. One-month-old baby, and they're charging this woman with child endangerment? That's not enough. First of all, you can't rule out murder. Can't rule that out yet, I don't think. Maybe, you know, if they've interviewed her, you can tell if they're really distraught or, you know, whatever. There's more than endangerment here. This has to be manslaughter or something. I'm disgusted by that story. Sorry to have to pass that one along, but it's, it's a national story. And it's right here in KC. All right, we'll pick it up a little bit for the final final. Brought to you by Bluemont Hotel in Manhattan. Bluemont Hotel's ready for graduation day, spring trips, corporate outings, wedding receptions, rehearsal dinners. Frat boy reunions? Why wouldn't you? Bluemonthotel.com, right there on the corner of Aggieville and campus. It is a beautiful hotel. By far the best hotel in Manhattan and a great place to visit. You're going to love it. Next time you're in Manhattan, swing by Goolsby's. 
Maybe get an appetizer and a cold beer at the end of your day. Why not? Goolsby's Indoor Entertainment Center. You can get on the golf simulator there, the batting cages, duck pin bowling, all kinds of fun games there at Goolsby's at the Bluemont Hotel in Manhattan online at bluemonthotel.com. And my buddy, Chris, over at TimeWise Media, they've helped us at KKHI expand our reach. They can help your company reach more customers too. They've got over 20 years experience. It doesn't cost you much. This is a service. They, they help you get Google ads, place ads for your business in the place where it's more targeted to your customers. So you're not taking a shotgun approach. You're using a rifle. You're finding your target. You're doing one shot at your target. They're really good at this. Own and operated, family-owned business right here in Kansas City. They're not a big ad agency. This is not some big corporate operation, right? Chris is a big military guy. These, these dudes are awesome. TimeWiseMedia.com. They can help you grow your business. TimeWiseMedia.com. Our final final today, fresh flowers for Valentine's Day is a $34 billion industry. I've never been the biggest fan of buying flowers for Jessica for Valentine's Day. I used to get them free all the time because we did remotes at the grocery stores. And the general manager would say, hey, take these home to your wife. Here's some for your mom. And I'd take the free ones. I said, well, that was nice. And they like the flowers. I'll occasionally get Jessica some flowers. She loves to buy her own. She does her own plants, own flowers. She keeps it very botanical around here. She loves plants and flowers. But I don't get them all that often. Now we see it's a $34 billion industry. And as Valentine's Day is here, and people are buying flowers all over town. The globalists, the elitists are telling us this is the worst industry there is for carbon footprint. See, this is where they lose everybody. They're telling you that growing flowers and putting them in your home is bad for the environment. This is where they lose everyone. I think they're saying, hey, listen, there's chemicals, there's farms. They do all these things. There's machinery. It's a $34 billion business on flowers that wouldn't otherwise be grown. But just growing them, doesn't that help the environment? They just, they, these people have, they don't know how to articulate their side of it. They just don't. I'm sorry. I, I can't think of it. I can't even hear the words that fly, growing flowers is bad for the environment. I can't even hear that without hearing fingernails on the chalkboard. Wildflowers is one of my favorite songs of all time by Tom Petty. There have been unbelievably great songs and things written, movies. You don't bring me flowers. I mean, we think of flowers, we think when we want to help the environment, we're trying to protect flowers, for God's sake. Your final, final, don't buy flowers. It's bad for the environment. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go buy flowers today, and then I'm going to go buy some more tomorrow. Because these people say don't do it. That's the way we roll at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Kevin Keatsman Has Issues has been presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC and is produced by Crooked Tail Media. Please hit the like or follow button wherever you listen or give us a review. For premium content podcasts and weekly newsletter, join as a patron at kkhasissues.com for as little as $5 a month. Support all our sponsors and other conservative businesses at the KKList.com. This has been a production of Cricket Tail Media Incorporated.